You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat at MMAfighting.com on this fine Wednesday early afternoon, late, early, whatever it is over where our guest is. She's on the East Coast, right? Yeah, she's in Florida. Anyway, joining us this week, back on the A-Side, Kristen King. Kristen, how's Florida these days? Florida is the same cesspool it was when you last talked to me. That's okay. Right now, it's a, it's a little bit cold. It is one of those random cold fronts that we're getting. So I woke up to about like 40 degree weather. And as a Floridian, you would know that anything less than the 80 to 90 degree range is cold. So if it's 79, I'm putting on my fuzzy pants and like a long sleeve sweatshirt. Sounds miserable. Cold Florida sounds miserable anyway, from what people have described to me. Cold Florida sounds even more miserable. Casey, how's Englewood? Still up to good? I see you've rearranged your studio yeah, in the back. Yeah, just changing some things around, you know, getting, you know, spicing it up, you know, moving things, you know. Is it out of boredom or necessity? I'm constantly making improvements, you know. It's like, oh, you know, so it's like, it's like every, every day, 1% better. Every day, 1% better. That's what I say. You should write a book about winning and learning. He's thinking about it. I don't you sly one. Casey, <laughs> winner, you Casey, sly Casey, winner, learn anyway. Uh, of course, you guys know the drill. I don't have to explain it to most of you, but for those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is the A Side Live Shot on MAFine.com. I am Jose Youngston. I guess overcast Arizona. It's been over- overcast for God knows how long. Anyway, uh, you can ask us questions in the YouTube section, uh, the comment section on the site, or on Twitter, and we can answer them. We were having a thrilling conversation on movie mistakes until we started the show. So if you want to chat movies, specifically horror movies, since Kristen King is here, she's our resident horror expert, have at it. But without further ado, Casey, what is our first question? First question. There we go. From Trumbo on the site, Woodley versus Luke. Man, can't they give Woodley an easier fight than these killers? He hasn't won, won a round in the last three fights. What do you think, if anything, he has left in the tank? Or do you think he's just getting some extra paychecks? Well, he can, and he really has no ambition left at this point. If he loses again, we're getting into Barrow-type skid after losing the belt. So, yes, as reported by – apologies, I don't know who was the initial report, but it's on our site. I'm sure we cited it back, but – 
Tyron Woodley is linked to a fight against Vicente Luque at UFC 260, if I remember correctly, in March. Woodley has lost to, well, he lost to Usman. He lost his belt to Usman, and then he lost to Gilbert Burns, who's the current number one contender. And then he lost to Colby Covington, who is, should be the number one contender after Gilbert Burns. But Colby Covington is, of course, tied to Jorge Masvidal, which is, will probably solve that dilemma. So, as they say in the business, Tyron Woodley's not losing to bums. Uh, now he's fighting Vicente Luque, who... Who did Vicente Luque just beat? I think it was Nico Price. Was that that knockout? I think that was Jacksonville, and then he fought Randy Brown after at the Apex. He, has he fought anyone since? Luque is coming off a victory over Randy Brown, Nico Price, Brown. and then the a loss to Stephen Thompson, the decision loss at 244. Yeah, UFC 244 in New York, yeah. The Vicente Luque knockout of Randy Brown was my – dark horse for knocked out of the year only because I was at that fight and it was in an empty arena and the sound of Vicente Luque's knee on the dome of Randy Brown is something I will never forget. It was very jarring. Anyway, Kristen, what do you make of Tyron Woodley's skid and why can't he get an easy fight in the UFC? Man, one thing about Tyron Woodley, he, he he's not fighting any bum. Like you said, he's fighting these top contenders, and he's still in the top 10, I want to say. I feel like he's, like, number seven, something like that. And I think this is more about a fight of, like, trying to certify his, his contendership status, if you will. I think that he wants to prove to himself that he can still be that former champion again. Because remember, Tyron Woodley was the former welterweight champion, and then obviously he has since hit a slump since then. But uh, I think he wants to continue to prove to people that he is of championship caliber and he's not going to he's not going to say no to these names. And I think for Luke, this is a fantastic fight, almost as like uh, I'm the new contender. And this is a perfect name to add to his resume. I think they gave him the steven wonderboy thompson fight with that same mentality like this guy could be the next best thing at 170 obviously he did not win that fight but he put on a great scrap then he comes back with these two knockouts now they're going to give him another upper echelon type opponent to see if he can establish himself as one of those contenders that could be challenging for the title soon yeah casey going off of what trumbo said like woodley's lost these fights but he's all he's lost what 25 he lost 25 minutes to Kamar Usman so he lost five rounds against Usman five rounds against Burns and five rounds or like what four and a half four rounds and against half, Covington yeah. four and a half rounds know, against yeah. Covington before his rib went out so it's not even like he's losing close fights he's getting beat down from, no. from pole to pole yeah but to call them this whole like oh he's Hennon Burrell Hennon Burrell is getting demolished and finished let's give Woodley mm-hmm. some freaking credit yeah, he he didn't beat Usman, but Usman, who knows? Usman might be the greatest welterweight we've ever seen. We just don't know that yet. And then then we look, then we lose to Gilbert Burns and Covington, one and two basically. What is the big deal? Woodley is thirty seven, thirty eight now. He's clearly, I mean, not clearly past his prime, but I don't. It's hard. He's thirty eight, so he's thirty eight years old, guys. Let's let's give the guy a break. Um, He's still competitive. Yeah, he lost these fights, but like Brown got like stretchered out in multiple fights. Outside of the rib injury, Woodley just kind of lost those fights. He didn't get beat up, beat up. I mean, he wasn't, you know, just like his face was like just, you know, whatever, just a meat grinder. But um, no, it's so yeah, it's just I don't want to oversell the Tyron Woodley's just not motivated. 
Maybe he's just not as good as he used to be because he's freaking old. Let's give the guy a break. He was he's, he bought it, he, he was number one for a long time. Now he may be number seven, number eight. But this Luke fight, kind of, this Luke fight kind of rules because Luke is kind of the top level gatekeeper. Who's he lost to in the last eight, nine, five or six years? Leon Edwards Thompson. and Leon Edwards and Usman. And did he, did he lose to Usman on the Ultimate Fighter? No, he lost to uh, Michael Graves. That's, yeah. that's well, didn't Mike, I think Michael Graves won that season. If I remember yeah, and Michael Graves got kicked out because um, I think is he domestic violence, maybe something like that. that. Yeah. So, and in the last recent recent memory, Luke has only lost to championship level fighters, and that's what this fight is. Let's see if Willie is still a championship level fighter, or if Luke can make that jump into that next echelon. Because right now, Luke is obviously a great a great action fighter, but. He hasn't. He can't beat those top five guys. Here's your opportunity. I, I was gonna say, do you guys think that there is any concern? Because I believe Tyron Woodley said some comments. I think after the Gilbert Burns fight, like leading into the Colby Covington fight, he said that like he wasn't there. And I think a lot of people took that at face value. Like, oh well, he's definitely on a steep decline since he had the championship. Maybe that's why they're trying to tie it into the whole Burrell type of situation. Mm-hmm. He definitely said when he lost to Usman, he's like he was watching himself lose and he couldn't stop it. Like he knew what he had to do and he couldn't pull the trigger and similar things with Gilbert Burns. And I just think Colby Covington might be the second best welterweight in the world after Kamar Usman and that fight ruled against Kamar Usman. So he could that they could just be one A, one B right there. Um, I think a lot of people are making a lot of what Tyron skid because of his comments declaring himself the greatest welterweight of all time before the Usman fight, and then all of a sudden right into this skid. So I think people are also relishing, and unfairly, they're probably relishing the fact that Woodley is losing because he had the fight against Maya and he had the the second fight against Thompson, and then he clearly wasn't happy with the UFC when he beat Darren Till. So I just think people kind of got tired of time. I know fans got tired of time Woodley unfairly. Uh, he also went on Ariel Kawani's show and said that when he was champion, he was buying cars and houses and blowing all of his money. And now he doesn't have any of that. So maybe he's fighting for a paycheck, which is fine. Um, but I just think the lot – I agree with Casey says. It's not like Brow, and I'm even going to throw Johnny Hendrickson in that mix where the decline was just cr- crazy drastic and he was getting finished left and right or having these these uh, one-sided losses. But I'm not ready to put him into that category yet. But, yeah, this Vicente Luque is gonna fight is going to be very telling. Yeah. I like the fight. Good, 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 um, good matchmaking. Mm-hmm. Although uh, was, it's three rounds too. Th- three rounds. Although if I was Woodley, <laughs> I know the UFC doesn't do this. Man, I would take a guy that outside the top thirty. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just um, whoever lost on the contender series. I don't know, but um, UFC doesn't work that way. So here we are. Have him fight Lazez. Yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> Even way below Lazez. <laughs> uh. Jessica Crystal Crew, yay, Kristen, girl power, and that's on Megan Anderson. I'm sure we're going to get questions on the Megan Anderson, Casey Kenny, Sugar Sean situation moving forward. Um, yes. Thank you, Jessica, for the input. I, I know we're, I know we're going to have – I know we have a question on it coming up, so I didn't want to – unless you want yeah. to tee it up now. Yeah. Sorry, I, I was about to – just in my head, and I'm just, just thinking of the whole situation, like – I know our our colleague Alex Savage has many <laughs> thoughts on it too. So if she's on next week. We'll talk about it again. All right, uh, because this never gets old. Hmm. MMG two K twenty the bag on the site. 
I know the whole Ottman's bag situation is getting old. It will it will literally <laughs> never get old in my book. But surely Dana knew what was in the bag. He can get the FBI involved to watch one person's house, but he can't get information regarding the contents of a bag. Something that something that is an actual threat. Also, do you see the clip of Casey Kennedy talking about Megan Anderson? I feel terrible for Megan. Yes, we'll get to that second part of the question, but I hadn't even thought about the FBI situation. If you can get the FBI to sit outside a kid's house, you should probably find out what's in a bag that's breached a bubble in a foreign country. Kristen, what do you think was in the bag? We all have our own theories. What do you think? I have no idea what was in the bag, but whatever it is for you to like Jason Bourne a situation, I imagine it's not that good and you're not supposed to have it. And and I talked about this with some of our friends with, with Anthony Walker and Jay Petrie, and they were theorizing that it aligns with the suspension of his brother. I think he recently got suspended by USADA for some banned substances. And some people were speculating that maybe that banned substance was what was in the bag. Because I think uh, Ottman's statement was he was protecting somebody or something like that. So I think that makes sense. I have no idea what's in the bag. I have to be honest. I haven't been able to sleep properly without knowing what the contents in the bag were. <laughs> were. I was hoping Dana White would shed some light onto that. But yeah, you would think, I, I does Dana White have FBI agents like with him at all times? Because I would hope- I assume so. Get to the, right, it has to be, right? So I'd hope that they get whatever it was in the bag. But yeah, such an odd situation, especially one that cost you your job in the end. Yeah, I also forgot Ottman's brother was still in the UFC until that USADA suspension mm -hmm. came because he hasn't fought since the Germany card that Anthony Smith knocked out Shogun, if I remember correctly. That's the last time I remember him fighting. And I know our colleague Kareem Zidane over in Bloody Elbow has this very long, extensive piece on Ottman's brother, so I don't have to go get into all of the background of said fighter. You can go find all that out. That You can go find that all out yourself. It's pretty ridiculous, but... I think it was IVs, personally. I have no idea. Casey, what did you think it was? Uh, PlayStation 5. Yeah. No, you said Nintendo Switch. Oh, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, Actually, Nintendo because, Switch because it's easier. Yeah, and it's got that, um, the little Pilates thing you see you can work out in. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, Switch? yeah. Those things are tough, yeah. man. Like, the little circle. So, um, yeah, they're probably last-second workout, you know, so that makes, that makes the most sense. That makes the most sense. Yeah, for sure makes the most sense. Anyway, Kristen... As the lone female member of this panel right now, what did you make of the clip of Casey Kenny on Sugar Sean? What is it, the Sugar Sean and Timbo show? Timbo and Sugar show? I don't know exactly what it is. It's uh, what's his coach's name? Welch. Tim Welch. Welch. Tim Welch, yeah. if I remember correctly. And Sugar Sean, Arizona natives, which just bothers me to no end. Um, what did you make of? I've, you obviously saw the clip. What did you make of it? Uh, well, before we get in, all people who haven't seen it. Sugar Sean was holding his newborn baby. I don't know if it was a son or a daughter. I apologize. And the beginning of the clip, he was talking about how he would try heroin because he knows he won't get addicted. And I was like, probably not a good thing to say when you're holding a baby. And his coach was like, yeah, yeah, because you're just mentally strong and won't be able to push past it. And then his coach asked Casey Kenny, who is fighting on the undercard of Megan Anderson's fight against Man Nunes, asking if, quote, I don't want to say the quote because it grossed me out, but basically asking if what his thoughts on Megan Anderson were uh, aesthetically. Oh, oh, so I want to chime in real quick. Uh, so the clip was cut up from different parts of yes. the show. So I actually watched. I was going to get to that too. Because oh, sorry, I, was sorry. To I, I, I didn't want to yeah, imply so, that it went straight from that to that because it didn't. No, no. It. I was going <laughs> to get to that. It, it's clearly not 
tying in. It's a jump cut. Yeah. Casey watched the actual episode, so I was going to get his thoughts after. Right. I haven't watched it. But, Kristen, what did you make of uh, specifically the comments of Megan Anderson? First, I feel terrible for Megan Anderson. I feel like she's one of the very few fighters who minds her business but somehow gets drawn into this stupidity a lot, and I feel really bad for her. Um, she shouldn't have to be subjected to the, those kinds of comments. I'm also not going to repeat it just because I think they are gross to be making, especially about your, this is essentially like your coworker, you know what I mean? In a regular workplace, that that kind of stuff wouldn't fly. I thought the question was stupid to begin with. Um, I think that I understand what kind of pressure Casey Kenny was probably under to seem like cool or hip at that time. Like you just want to be one of the boys in that moment. But the easiest way to avoid any type of drama, especially when it concerns someone that you are going to be in close proximity with in a few weeks here, you're fighting on the same card. Um, simple no comment or I don't I don't think I want to get into that. I don't speak about that kind of stuff. And I think that would have been hopefully the end of the situation. I don't know if they would have continued to pester him for an answer, but he ended up answering the question and then proceeded to give a reason why, <laughs> you know? So that's why I'm just like, Oh my God, that was a terrible decision to make. And uh, I thought that his acknowledgement of the comments on Twitter, once Megan caught wind of it was it, it's iffy for me. Yeah. Yeah, it really wasn't an apology. Like, I'm glad that he acknowledged that he said something wrong. But when you are given the opportunity to kind of atone for what you said and you still don't say the direct, I'm so sorry, you'll say, I'm sorry that it offended you or it hurt you. You're not giving a, a real apology at that moment. I think Megan handled herself quite well with her with her statement. And it was good to see a lot of... Um, UFC fighters and coaches and stuff like that kind of stick up for her and and, and I, she doesn't need saving but it was nice to be reassured that that way of thinking is not something that is all too common yeah and you mentioned Casey Kenny's apology did you see Sugar Sean's coach's response to it that was even worse say? it was even worse what did he it was even worse oh, what no. did he say what Casey it's, uh, essentially, he said, "Oh, hey, Megan, I only asked a question because you're hot, and and Casey Kennedy's like really short." Wow, that made me feel so much better. It, it made somebody to that effect. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I was like, it's ridiculous. Just apologize and move forward. It's not that hard, you know. You offended someone. Those were deeply offended comments, and and your easiest out is to apologize and go. But no, we have the. Well, you're really hot. That's why I asked the question. I don't understand that line of <laughs> that that logic there. You're hot, you know. So you know. <laughs> Are they? I know Sugar Sean just got a fight. Is he also on that card? No, I think that's at 260, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's farther down the line. Oh, so it's the yeah. it's the neck yeah. wall. They're both in March. Oh, so that's what I was going to say because there's two pay per views in March. No, 259 not, and 260. Uh, yeah, 260 is the one where Casey Kenny is fighting Dominic Cruz. And uh, 259, beginning of March, Casey Kenny fights Dominic Cruz. 260, Sugar Sean fights Thomas Almeida. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, but anyway, Casey, you watched the actual clip. You actually watched the episode, right? Yeah, I did I've watch never it. watched that show in my entire life. Uh, not that I had anything against Sugar Sean or his coach up until recently. I just, it was never on my radar. Uh, but what was, what did, as someone who sat through that whole episode, what'd you think? 
well, um, <laughs> I did. I did sit through most of it. Uh, it was. First of all, I want to point out that this isn't an excuse. It's just kind of give more setup. Um, before Casey Keene was asked that question, they did like giant uh, bong hits, and not bong hits, but this thing called a volcano. If you smoke weed, you know what a volcano is. So it's that big bag. So they were hitting from that bag. So I don't, I, I don't know. No, when you're stoned, you don't say stupid crap like that. Still, I don't know what the excuse is. But um, but the host, uh, I forget the host's name, uh, Welch. I mean, I, 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 he deserves just as much fault for asking a just a stupid question, a very just unnecessary question. But all I kind of really want to add to it is fighters, media members, anyone. When you're on social media or anything like this, just I have a camera on me right now. The whole world can see me right now. Don't say anything that you would never say to that person's face. That's all. Don't ask a question yeah, Jed. you would never say to their face. <laughs> like, like I, I just want to go to those 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 gentlemen, like Casey Kenney, Sean O'Malley. Imagine me, Megan Anderson was in that room right there. Would you be saying the same thing? No, you wouldn't. You know, if you would, I would I would love to see that. I would love. But you just just don't talk about people that way in such a disrespectful way. And um, uh, I hope and Casey Kenny offer a real apology. Go, hey, that was stupid. I don't know why I said that. That was very disrespectful to you, Megan Anderson. You're a great fighter. You're a great person. I apologize. I am sorry. Um, I'm sorry. That's it. And you know what? Move on. And and, we, and but this is dumb. So yeah, that's my that's my thing. Don't say anything you wouldn't say to them and to their face. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Is Jose Frozen? Is Jose Frozen? Jose. <laughs> Jose. He's really thinking about this question. Or he's just really disappointed. He has disappointed father look. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're, 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 there we go. My there back? You go. You're back, Jose. All right. I have literally no idea what happened. Yeah. I just refreshed <laughs> my browser. We just thought you were really like studying the question really deeply. Yeah, man. Mm. I have to really think about this one. Uh, from MMA Fan 100 on the site, both Nate and Dustin should stay in their lane. Nate is not a 155 anymore, and Dustin still is. The media should do a better job pressing Dana White to explain why he won't add a 155 pound division instead of accepting no t- as an answer. When GSP walked away from 170, 
would have been the perfect time. But anytime is a good time to make a positive change. With 165 and 175, there's extra title and more potential matchups. Being a win for UFC headlines, fighters and fans, come on, Dana Doolin. Like, well, okay, I apologize for not asking about a 165-pound division <laughs> in 2021, even though that's been a topic for, what, three years now? Like, I don't care anymore. Like, the answer is when you get no 100 times, I think the answer is no. Uh, also, when GSP walked away, like when GSP walked away, it opened up the 170 pound division. There were a lot of fun matchups to make. So I don't think I don't see the logic in making the 165. Like if they added it, great. But if they don't, OK, like I'm not going to be offended either way. So I know some fighters want it, but the reality is it's just not there. So I don't put a lot of mental thought into these hypothetical scenarios. But anyway, uh, Nate and Dustin situation. Kristen, what do you make of, uh, I don't know if this is the question. Yeah, if you have sure another question about Nate and Dana, like <laughs> they're just kind of yelling at us for not asking about 165 pound division, even though it's been done a thousand times. So Kristen apologizes. Yeah. Casey, you apologize too. Let's just do better at asking about 165 pound division, I guess. My bad. Uh, My yeah, bad guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Who was the last person to ask about uh, the 165? Was that the schmo when we were at? Was it? So that was the that was the famous one uh, when the right. schmo asked Dane about it, and that kind of lit the fuse for the schmo to kind of just uh, to, to where he's at now. But like Ben Askren's brought it up, Kevin Lee's brought it up, Nate and Dustin brought it up before they were supposed to fight at UFC 230. Remember when they were tweeting yeah. about it. Ben Askren said uh, we interviewed him in Milwaukee. Before his debut, it was the Ayakinta Lee fight. And he, because he was obviously cornering a lot of the fighters because it's the Milwaukee card. And he was like one of the guest fighters in the back. And his prediction was uh, he'd beat, he was going to, he offered to fight Colby in the January pay per view. Didn't happen. And then he was going to fight Lawley. He goes, I beat Robbie. I beat, like, I win the title. And then one year from now, I'm the 165 pound champion. That was his prediction. Uh, Obviously, that did not happen. Now he's fighting Jake Paul, which I'm sure he never would have thought in a thousand years. So yeah, the 165 pound question has been done to death. And Dana has said no a thousand times. Yeah. I, I think I'm on the same wavelength as you in that, like I'm kind of resigned to it. If it does happen, I'd be glad to see it. If it doesn't happen, I'm fine with that too. I know a lot of people made like a big issue. It's not as bad as when there is so many belts, like in boxing, there's a lot of championships and a lot of belts. So I think that some of the complaint around adding like a 165, while it would be helpful for fighters so that they wouldn't have to cut weight too much or make the decision between 155 and 170, some people take issue with the fact that you're just going to add another belt into the mix and that's just already too much with what we have. So I'm fine with 165. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I still want like certain other divisions to pop up in the UFC, like an atom weight. I thought someone was talking about that as well. I think Dana was thinking about it. I don't know. There's a lot of divisions that could be welcomed into the UFC. 165, I'd be happy to accept it. But yeah, I, I, it's been a while since we've really like paid attention to 165. And as far as the Nate and Dustin situation, um, like Dustin said, it doesn't make sense for him to fight Nate, but I'm not mad at it. I'm definitely not opposed to it. And if it, I, I think with the recent comments from Nate saying like F a uh, weight class, but he's still fighting at 170. I I don't know what to make of that. But if, if Dustin were to move up in weight, which I highly doubt he did, I don't think it hold, um, 
so much of a like a like too much weight if him and Nate were to fight at 170. If they did it at 155, it'd cause a lot of issues. But I don't know. It's just a very confusing thing. Yeah, uh, if they're gonna fight, it'll probably be at 170. Uh, it is what it is. Dustin is a pretty massive 155 or anyway. Nate is a pretty tall 155 or so. We don't tie up the division with these weird lightweight fights. They can go fight at 170. The rest of the lightweight division can figure itself out. Also, so like uh, this person want. What's would up? Would you put it the line with with Nate and Dustin almost like the the Nate and Jorge thing, like no. another BMF? No, just have them fist fight. But you could turn that into a whole thing because you know they're beefing. They've been going back and forth since UFC 230. It'd be fun to kind of see another. Well, no, a lot of people took issue with the play belt too. So I just think it'd be fun. I, I, I'm all in on them fighting. I just don't think it needs a belt. I still hate the BMF belt because, so it, is, because <laughs> it is called the BMF belt. No, it is the baddest motherfucker in the game belt. If you're the baddest yeah. motherfucker in the game, you don't say BMF, so you get so you know it's okay if you're corporate sponsors. It is the baddest motherfucker in the game, Belt. That's that's all and it is. The baddest motherfucker in the game is being real picky in who he fights. Hey man. Which I, I don't man. have a problem with fighters trying to pick fights for more money, but don't call yourself baddest motherfucker and then take like two years <laughs> off. And then not want to put it on the line. And then, and then when it, when he was supposed to fight Kamaru or Connor or whatever, they're like, Would you put it on the line? He goes, No, this is one of one. I'm like boring okay i just wish they, I, I just wish these top guys would lay it out because look this is how much money i want and this is how much money that the ufc wants to give me this is why i'm not taking a fight and just go mm-hmm. okay you know that's all just, yeah I, much I, more I, I i i i my favorite part about nate diaz isn't his old you no know, fighting style or his theatrics or his whatever trash talking is that he's a guy who seemingly knows what he's worth and um I respect that a lot about fighters. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, everyone everyone wants this 165 belt and 170. The welterweight title will now be 175. So then, like, yeah, that creates a little situation for like guys like Usman. Does Usman go down or does Usman go up? You know, and does the UFC kind of say? I'm just saying, I'm assuming just pretend Usman beats Burns and they create this new belt system. Does the UFC, you know, automatically make Usman? The 175 champ or 165 champ. I mean, it creates a little situation, but nothing in that can be solved in a, you know a little board meeting. So then I I would like them to add 195 too if they're doing 165, 155, 165, 175, 185, 185 to 205 is a lot, a lot. Because yeah. then you get yeah. so then 195 would be probably be good, and then if they want to add a 225 and then 225 up is heavyweight, I'm fine with that too. But that just means more titles for John Jones. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. More time. I also fights. don't hate. I also don't hate the boxing belt system. I don't like the mandatories and the politics in it. And like, oh, if you don't fight this guy, you get stripped. But I yeah. love the image of dudes with just hella belts. I love that. I love that image, but I hate the politics behind it. Like when Anthony Joshua posted that photo of all his belts, I'm like, dude, this guy has all those championships for getting in a fist fight. Like that is badass. That's the baddest motherfucker in the game right there. Anyway, he just needs that one green belt, which he won't get. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do this. Joseph Boza, what about Stephen A. saying, said, said about how he thinks women shouldn't fight in MMA at all. Stephen A. Smith is a numpty, so that's he's a clown. 
I don't have nothing good to say about that guy. I used to really respect his journalistic integrity way back in the day when he was just a reporter. And I have nothing positive to say about that man now. Christian, what did you make of his comments saying he doesn't want women to fight mixed martial arts? I mean, he's certainly entitled to having that opinion. If that is your preference, fine. But when you speak about it on a public platform and you are arguably the face of the broadcast partner for the UFC, where plenty of women's fights have happened and plenty of them which are in the running or already considered as iconic or legendary, it just kind of discredits a lot of the strides that women have had to make. I think that a lot of the times women aren't taken as seriously as like the men are when it comes to fighting and they'd have to go out and put on these wonderful performances to even get like an inch of acknowledgement. So for you to say that I don't want to see them punching each other in the face, well, well, you don't have to see it. You don't have to watch it if that's truly your preference, but imagine someone getting their like UFC or MMA information from Stephen A. Smith, like your, your words have an incredible influence over certain people, whoever they may be, and to guide them in that way that women aren't seen necessarily as equal as men inside of the octagon is freaking stupid. It's an archaic way of thinking. You're entitled to thinking that, but that's just not how I, how I operate, especially now in 2021. Are we still talking about this? Are we really still trying to justify a woman's place inside of fighting? I think they've done enough to prove themselves. So maybe just cool it with, with that. And I think the other part of the, the the comment was about like intergender fighting. I'm not sure how he tied that into just women not fighting. Seriously. That's like, what? I'm so, like, are you talking about like in certain areas of the world, like the, the, I don't know her name, but the girl that got signed to Bellator for beating that like 500 pound dude. I don't know if he saw a clip of that and just decided to tie it into that. But those two things have nothing to do with one another. So it's unfortunate that he's even making these comments right now, but I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, it's not it's not something we haven't heard before, but it's like you said, it's 2021. I would pro I would agree with you he's by far the most famous broad he's the most famous talking head on the ufc's broadcast partner shut up just shut up bro you don't have to watch if you don't want to anyway, uh, i don't I get, get it I, I i don't like it at all um and to me him saying something like that i mean s- s- switch out the word women and say he'd be said oh i don't want to see i don't want to see chinese people fighting in the octagon you know, I don't want to see whatever some segmented some group of people fighting in the octagon. I just think it's a it's just a stupid ass statement. And um, yeah, he kind of sucks. But whatever, he talks loud and he says blasphemous. And you know, I gotta watch his freaking commercial on ESPN Plus every ten seconds in between rounds. And the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting PTSD just thinking about his those spots I have to watch over and over again. I just, Thanks, and like I said before, he was a legitimate journalist for a while which is why it bothers me the most because he was a respected journalist. Skip Bayless was a respected journalist. Skip Bayless was involved in that SMU uh, scandal back in the day and he did his job and he was really good. And I just feel like they got massive paydays and now they're just saying things that I am pretty confident they don't believe, which is even more of a disappointment. This goes back to what I just kind of said, but Stephen A. Smith 
and uh, in the Sean O'Malley and Casey Kenny situation, I would just I want Stephen A. Smith to say that, but say that right to Amanda Nunes, say that right to Joan, uh, Joanna Yunjacek, say that right to Rose Yunus, say that to their face. Go, you know what? Get out of here. You don't belong here. I don't want to see. It. I want. I want. If I want to see, I want to see that that man say that to those women to their faces. Because so, like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just yeah. I, and I mean, would. you saw the re- saw the response from like Chris Cyborg and Angela Hill. They kind of oh, shut I was, him down. I was gonna say, if I had to pick one person to represent to go be like the, I'm gonna represent women's MMA while you say this to my face. I would pick Angela Hill because she That'd would be break great. Rick on Stephen yeah. A. And she's not gonna like all the women that you brought up. I they they all speak great English, but I, there might you know I want someone that can just go in and just like spit venom. As Stephen A. Smith to his face. I don't know. Angela, Angela Hill kind of pointed out that Wei Lee, Wei Lee had made the best argument. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> she also, uh, Angie tweeted in response to the uh, the Megan thing. It was all in good fun, but she's like, I shouldn't. I was like, I can't chime in because back in the day, I made a Twitter thread of men fighters that can get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's it's funny. It was self aware and all in good fun, but. Yeah. Also, shout out to Dean Thomas for the reaction to that. True story, Cynthia. Yeah, that's right, Cynthia. Cynthia <laughs> Thank you much. All me, right. her, me and Cynthia have had a pretty interesting discussion on our love of Mexico over the last few days. Oops. Get out of here, Cynthia. From Dane McClendon, Dax Edwards, 712 on Twitter, at MA Fighting. Any thoughts on James Vick and Eric Spicely both getting KO'd in first fight since being released? Hashtag the A-side. So, yes, James Vick most recently got knocked out in what was the promotion? XMA, uh, XMMA, something like that. Yeah. And then uh, I didn't watch the Eric Spicely one. I did see Eric Spicely on Fight Island, though. Um, Eric Spicely was a bummer because he, him, and I are from the same part of the world, the Rhode, in Rhode Island, and Eric Spicely is kind of revered in that in the martial arts, specifically the jujitsu community of Providence, Rhode Island. So, a little bit of a bummer. Uh, I saw the James Vick replay, uh, but Kristen, what did you make of both men getting KO'd badly in their first fights after being released by the UFC? Yeah, didn't see the Eric Spicely one. That wasn't on my radar. I'm sorry. I should probably go back and look at it. But the James Vick one was incredibly brutal. Like, I felt like that is just like a pit in my stomach kind of feel when you watch someone just get smashed like that. And to add on to the fact, I also saw the highlight. I had no idea that his mouthpiece had been gone for the better portion of that finishing sequence. And that terrifies me because if you saw his statement, um, he's talking about how badly broken his jaw is. And as someone who has jaw, look, okay, jaw broke from side to side. Yeah. As someone who has willingly had their jaw broken for the sake of corrective surgery, I was under anesthesia. I could not imagine having that happen to me in real time, like as I am lucid. So imagine that having to deal with, with, with such incredible pain, I feel for James Vick. And I think it was the right decision for him to finally retire after that because I think it was like a string of four knockout losses. He's lost in the same manner in the last couple of years. Granted, you could make an argument, maybe he should have stopped earlier or maybe he shouldn't have been licensed to fight based off of those performances. But that, 
yeah, that is certainly a career ender, especially the extent of his injuries. That just seems all too bad. Casey, what did you make of uh, Vacant Spicely's um, first loss after being released? Can't speak too much about the Spicely loss because I didn't see it either. Um, I heard about it, but James Vick loss. Uh, yeah, so that's one, two, three, four, five straight um, devastating. And four knockouts. Four, yeah, five straight losses, yeah. four knockouts. And Paul Felder kind of put it to him, too. It wasn't like, you know, he might have survived 15 minutes of Paul Felder, but you know, he might have been better off getting knocked out in the first round. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, ever since James Vick, um, unfortunately, got in front of a mic and said, that guy's Homer Simpson, <laughs> Ooh, his life, um, his, uh, his professional life went very downhill fast. Um, yeah, fights. The, the, the idea that fights outside the UFC are easy or whatever, like especially for these guys like James Vick and Eric Spicy. If when you when you get when you leave the UFC and go to a regional promotion, not like a Bellator or say a PFL where you're fighting guys from around the world, but a, very, a regional promotion, you are such a target. So these guys coming after these ex UFC guys, like ooh, that is a tough place to be. Um, and so uh, yeah. It, these fights don't it don't it don't get no easier once you leave the UFC. I mean, when Eddie Alvarez when he left the UFC on a win, he got knocked out in like thirty seconds in his first fight and won. You know, uh, so it's it's a uh, life's tough out there. Yeah, just yeah, it's just because just because the cage don't have eight sides don't mean the guy punching you ain't 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 UFC caliber. But um, happy trails, James Vick. Enjoy the enjoy your family and um, yeah. And uh, a lot of people were, a lot of fans specifically on Twitter I saw relished oh, that's the side of James Vick losing again. Mm-hmm. I got I got issues of James Vick, but I don't want the man to get brain damage. And I agree. You know, it's, I mean, I got we got we have got issues with fighters, but like not that much of an issue. Where I want to see him his jaw broken, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, people are just mean. That's just being mean. I don't know why people. Are, I don't know why people are like that. Also, let's not forget, James Vick didn't start training MMA until he was 20. And he got to the top 10 of the UFC at one point. Like, not a bad career. So, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's insane. Like, for, for as much crap that fans want to talk about James Vick, at one point I, it's in not, his life, it's not he was crap, one of the 10 best crap, in the world. You know? It's not crap about James Vick. It's crap about his coach. Oh, well, that's another, I mean, that, that's another story. It's, <laughs> it's 100% his coach and how he, stu- he stood by him. So it has nothing to do with – there's a few things they point to, like the Homer Simpson thing. When he walked out before fighting Justin Gaethje, he said, I'm going to change – like, I'm about to change my life. And then he got knocked out. And uh, he said some pretty weird things about on Twitter and stuff, but it is 99% has to do with his coach. And we don't have to get into it. It happened in Kristen's part of the world the, who did the uh, reporting. I think it was the uh, Miami New Times or Miami whatever, something like that. They did all of the – the legwork on that story back in the day. So, yes, it is all has to do with this coach. All right. Do, 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 do. Caters head coach Tyson Chardier's response to MMA fighting from Tristan Gordet, longtime commenter. Is this the first Tristan Gordet comment we've had? Oh, Usually we got more comment. We got more comment. Had any to MMA fighting had any issue on what Calvin Cater's head coach Tyson Charter had to say when speaking to Mike Heck regarding why he decided not to stop the fight against Max? Mm-hmm. In your opinion, do you think Charday or Herb should have stopped the fight regardless of the fact that Calvin was fighting back due to the amount of damage Cater was taking? 
Charger said when Cater sat back on the stool in between rounds, he was good. His eyes were clear and also coherent. Yes. Yeah, so if you haven't watched it after this, go watch Mike Heck's interview with Tyson Charday, Calvin Cater's head coach on the most recent episode of what the heck you know, there's also an excellent write up on it. I don't know if that's out yet, but if it's not, it's coming out soon. Uh, as Tristan said, Tyson Charday did not stop his reasoning for not stopping fight against Max Holloway was because Calvin, every time it looks like Calvin was about to get knocked out or finished, he would land a clean punch on Max and a few punches back. Uh, so he was still in the fight. And then between rounds, he was coherent and not lucid and all that stuff between rounds. I would have no problem if he had stopped the fight at any point after the third round, but I get his reasoning. But Casey, what did you make of his, uh, his response to the the criticism for not stopping the fight. Oh, I thought um, uh, Tyson handled himself very well in the interview. Um, I thought he, he laid it out because, like, dude, the most important thing that he that he kind of emphasized was like, if there's anyone in the whole freaking world that cares about Calvin Cater more than maybe his parents is me. You know, Tyson Chardier, Tyson Chardier, Chardier. Sorry. Um, he's like, I've trained this guy for years. I've rolled with him. Like, like I'm like, I'm like his best buddy, you know, like, and I care about this guy. I care so much about this guy and I'm not going to let him get like long-term damage. And even, um, he talked about, talked about afterwards and stuff. He said when he fought other fights, he's like, he goes, yeah, you know, uh, Cater was way more rocked and kind of out of it after other fights. He said this fight, he was like, it was actually, he was remarkably lucid. Um, wait, is that the right term? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, That's the one I used. If it's yeah. wrong, it's wrong. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh but I didn't have the other way around. Um, but he was, he was remarkably clear. Um, he said, yeah, he said he rolled with a lot of the punches very well. Um, uh, he said Calvin's actually really good at that. He said he actually talked about how most of, actually most of the damage he took was to the body. It was his cardio that was really yeah. hurting him. But um, no, I get it. I, and like I, I, we we talked. You know, we do these interviews, and after the interview's over, we kind of talk after the interview, kind of off the record with Tyson. I was I, I'm kind of telling it off the record, but I kind of told him, hey man, um, I get it, man. Why are you getting hate? And like as I was watching the fight, I was feeling the same way. I'm like, dude, stop the fight, stop the fight. But then right when you're kind of about to say that out loud, Cater throws a hard shot and hits Holloway. And that, that's what made it very difficult. And, and like, if you even look at Cater's numbers, yeah, Max Holloway had record-breaking numbers, but Cater himself broke his own personal records for most significant shots. So he was hitting Holloway a lot, too. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough situation. But what's important is Tyson is taking care of Cater now. He's not, like, Cater isn't even allowed to go jogging. Because even that's he doesn't even want that yeah. rattling his head. That jogging. happened to me when I when I got a concussion. I couldn't even like go outside because the sunlight would hurt. Yeah, yeah. So he's taking he's taking so much care of him right now, and yeah, and be the only reason I would say Tyson should have stopped the fight earlier is to get Cater back in there for another fight sooner. But because of that, so much damage he took, Cater most likely won't get a fight for about six months. If maybe say that fight ends in the second round or third round, maybe Cater comes back in three months or four months. But because he took so much of a beating, Tyson himself is keeping Cater from t- accepting another fight for at least you know five or six months. So, um, so that's minimum. I, minimum, I would yeah. uh, like a year probably yeah. should would be more beneficial. Uh, I have some more thoughts on this, but Christian, what did you? I, I don't know if you watched it, but after hearing what Casey said about the interview, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I read the write-up on the interview, and it's always an interesting perspective when you're speaking to a coach, especially someone who has been there for Calvin for many, many years and knows his fighter the best. Obviously, it's easy for us to, as spectators, watch that and just think that, yeah, that should definitely be stopped. I don't know how you were feeling, Jose, because you were at cage side for that. You could have probably made the same argument, like, yeah, that should be stopped. But listening to Tyson talk about his fighter and the way that he was responding, like he asked him, what's up? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. And I'm just like, that's true. That's true. But I also, I am worried about this line of thinking that, um, well, it could have happened like that. There's always the possibility for like a a Korean zombie, Yair Rodriguez-esque type of finish where you were just getting battered for 24 minutes and 59 seconds and that one split second you land something that could bring about the end of the fight. There is very much a real possibility for that. And Calvin may have had those opportunities with how heavy he was throwing his shots still. But I don't think that should justify the continuing of that fight. And I think part of Tyson's response as well was that he was kind of looking for uh, Herb Dean to step in because he thought that that was a very real possibility. He thought Herb Dean, the way that he was looking, was going to stop it, but ultimately that didn't happen. But I would hope because fighter safety is a shared responsibility by the corner, by your teammates who are in there and, and by the official in the octagon, I would hope that if you are feeling in that way that, oh, I think Herb Dean might stop it, I'd hope that you take that. And if he doesn't, I'd hope that you take the responsibility to be like, okay, well, then I'm going to stop it. But there was something in Calvin that Tyson continued to see and he wanted that to keep going. But I'm, if you, if you don't need to prolong a beating, don't prolong it. I think this was a great fight for Calvin as far as like step up in competition, but sometimes it's just not your day. I, I still think Calvin Cater is in the top 10, top five of the featherweight division, but it just wasn't his day. And I would have hoped that, his corner and the officiant would take into consideration his long, uh, like the long effects of it after that. Cause that's like a life changing beating. You know what I mean? Like he had, what injuries did he have? He had a few cuts. He had, uh, the broken, was it the broken orbital or something like that? No, I don't know. No, nothing broken, nothing broken, but it was yeah. nothing broken by some sort of miracle. But I understand where Tyson is coming from. I, I really do. But, just hearing his perspective as well as the referee's perspective. Oh, I did you guys see the uh, Joe Rogan interview with Mark Smith? And he gave his perspective as to why he also thought Herb Dean was right and not stopping it. Who's Mark Smith? Very much a, Mark Smith, the referee. Oh, Mark Smith. Okay, sorry. Yeah, very much aligned with what Tyson was saying in that he was that Calvin was still intelligently defending. He was still throwing. So I wouldn't have stopped the fight either. And I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, in the moment when I was and I agree with everything you guys are saying and I agree with what Tyson was saying in the moment watching it live in the arena freaked me out because like two days prior the Spencer Fisher article came out that's literally yeah. all I was thinking about that's it but I get what everyone is saying in that night when I was watching it and I was like god damn this is on ABC Calvin is taking insane damage it's gonna freak a bunch of people out uh, and I freaked me out a bit just because that I, that article was so fresh in my mind. Uh, Matt Brown brought it up. Paul Felder brought it up. A bunch of other fighters brought it up that week, and I was doing a lot of the social media for it. So Alex Savas and I, so I had had to watch that Spencer Fisher video a few times 
And then that same day, did you watch the Jens Pulver reaction video, Casey? Yes, I did. That was so yeah. like it came, I watched it backstage at the fights, and I was like, God damn, this is just this is freaking me out right now. So in the in that night, I was a little stressed out about it, but I get I completely understand Tyson's response and Herb's response and everyone else's response. So I don't have an issue with it being stopped. But if they had stopped it in round three, four, five, I would have been like, Thank God. But yeah. And then coupled with with Dana White's comments, he said he thought Calvin Cater was going to I think I think that was and I have no this is all hypothetical and I have absolutely no one has told me this is just my me, me kind of putting points together in my own brain. I think that came out specifically because the Spencer Fish article came out. Yeah. And Dana did a whole lot of interviews about it because shout out to Kevin Iolia Yahoo. He pressed Dana on it. Uh, John Morgan of MMA Junkie brought it up. A few other people brought it up. And Dana was saying, like, this happens. It's a contact sport, this and that. And then now that it's on ABC, Dana's mic'd up. He's afraid and take him to the hospital. Don't let him talk to him. He told, uh, he said that to him. I think it was Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby. I can't remember who. He said that to Hunter Campbell. He said that to DC. He said that to Calvin's coach. He said that to Calvin. And it was a kind of a point of focus on it. So, A, if Dana White does feel that way, which I'm sure he does, good on him. And But, B, I think that specifically came out because the Spencer Fisher article came out. And maybe he says that a lot, and we just don't know. But I think there was a reason why that came out on YouTube. Just my just my theory, though. No one has ever told me that. And the crazy, I mean, we talk about this, but remember that fight, Cater, his legs, his legs never went wobbly. His, no, his, his, it it went it went wobbly once, but it wasn't like Kevin Lee Barbosa. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah, took yeah. A step back, leg kind of gave out. Yeah, I mean, there was no point where Calvin looked out of the fight. That was that was a crazy. Did part. Calvin get dropped? Was Calvin no. dropped? No. Yeah, none. No. Right? Yeah. That 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 was that's oh. it's it's. Now, Cater in his next fight, I'm sure there's going to be a much shorter leash if he's taking a beating because one, 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 one fight like that in your career, okay, two, three fights. Because we go back to Spencer Fisher. Remember, he had like multiple like wars, war, war. Yeah. You know, so Calvin's next fight, that's going to be a, the kind of. I guess we'll be a lot, lot, lot of questions will be a lot of questions well, will be. Gaethje has been saying for the last few fights, he's like, I got five wars left in me, and he's had four straight quick finishes. He's finished three, and he got finished. So yep. even he's fully aware of it now. Anyway, we Speaking talked a lot of, about that. Speaking of Justin Gaethje, another question from Tristan Gordet on the site: MMA fighting. Do you agree with just? Also, shout out to remember Casey last week. You were like Tristan. Can you break up your questions? <laughs> yeah. And now he's actually breaking up his questions. Pay attention. Do you agree with Justin Gaethje's thoughts on the lightweight t- title picture? Such a mess. He felt not only Poirier and Ferguson, but every fighter on the roster was disrespected, making Chandler the backup fighter for the fight against Habib. Um, I don't. For the Chandler thing, I think that was more a lot to do with the marketing and kind of signing this big name free agent and giving him that spotlight that way. I don't think it was meant to be disrespectful whatsoever. Um, I just think they were trying to build a Michael Chandler. I don't think that had anything to do with deserving or undeserving and vice versa. Um, the lightweight title picture shouldn't be a mess, but we know it will be. I think Charles Oliveira has done enough. Mike, I won't, don't have a problem with fought Chandler. I don't have a problem with fought Gaethje, any of those guys. But Habib is retired. But, Kristen, what do you make of the lightweight title picture right now? 
I think we're just as confused as I was a couple months ago when we, we talked about this. Like, I thought a lot of answers were going to be given after UFC 257, but now I'm just confused. I'm confused by a lot of the moves that are being made currently. And I think that a lot of people are operating under the guise that Dustin Poirier is essentially the champion, right? Like, he's the uncrowned champion as he is given himself the title, which I completely agree with. He has to be like the number two lightweight at this point behind Khabib. And with Khabib and his looming um, relinquishing of the belt, which should be happening soon, I don't know that it will, but they seem to be dragging this on for a really long time. Um, There's going to be a need to fill that vacancy. And for me, it makes sense that Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira get in there and scrap for the vacant lightweight title, which is why I was even more confused that they gave the offer for Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira again on short notice. Like, didn't they do that already? And Charles Oliveira said, no, I'm not taking that. I can't cut weight that that soon. I think it was at UFC 257 or something like that. They wanted yep. that fight. Go ahead. Yeah. You're gonna say yeah. No, that I was I was confirming. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. So so he turned that down. Now they do it again. He's turned that down again because I agree with you. I fully believe that Charles Oliveira has done more than enough to earn a, a title shot. And if we're going based off of like meritocracy, definitely like the kids on a seven eight fight win streak. Why wouldn't he be right up in there? But. I hope this is not a situation where they're going to say, well, he keeps turning down the fights we're giving him, so we're going to move forward, and it's going to be Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier for the vacant lightweight title, which Dustin Poirier doesn't even seem all too interested in because he doesn't think that Michael Chandler has essentially earned it in the way that a lot of other contenders has done. So, And, and then there's Justin Gaethje still out there. There's Tony Ferguson out there. I am confused, and this happens a lot with such a stacked division like the lightweight division. That always happens. There's a lot of confusion regarding contenders and who should be next. The The answer is very obvious, but we know sometimes obvious isn't always what they go with. I think Poirier Oliveira is the fight to make if they want uh, to clear up this title. Uh, Poirier is probably going to fight Nate because everyone wants that, but I don't think anyone really has an issue with that fight if it happens, just because it's an awesome fight. And Poirier even himself said, I'll fight Nate, lightweight division, clear, fix itself, and then I'll fight whoever. Uh, then after that, it's Charles Oliveira versus fill-in-the-blank, I think. I don't have a problem if you fought Chandler. Don't have a problem if you fought Gaethje. Don't have a problem if Chandler and Gaethje fought, and then Oliveira fought the winner of that. I don't. I have absolutely no idea. Casey, what do you think? Um, well, Gaethje's saying that um, that Dana shit on the division for Chandler being a backup. I think it's kind of ridiculous because Manel Cape was a backup for wasn't Manel Cape a backup for the the flyweight and like no one was like oh Manel Cape was shitting on the division. I think, that's I think that that's slightly different because Manel was already scheduled for the card and then his fight fell through, so they just kept him on the card and haven't like he got elevated to backup. Yeah, Gaethje, that's just Gaethje hating on Chandler. I, I think that's kind of ridiculous. It's like. Like, dude, has a backup. As soon as they have a backup, the backup never fights. The backup has never actually fought <laughs> ever in the history of the universe. So, has it, has it happened yet? Where like the backup fighter that weighs in actually fights? I've never actually seen that. Not to my knowledge. Yeah. So, if you want to guarantee a guy not fighting, make him the backup. Um. Otherwise, even uh, Joe Soto. Joe Soto wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't back. back. He was just on the card. Yeah. 
Now there was Ayakinta, yeah. They were yeah. just on the card. Just on the card. Um, the title picture. You know, Kristen, you said they're the most obvious answer, but to me, the most, if you're going from UFC's, UFC's perspective, the most obvious answer is the two guys that sell the most pay per views. And unfortunately for Charles Oliveira, he ain't that guy. That's just, he just ain't that guy. That's why the UFC keeps kind of throwing these kind of, you know, these kind of, these fight, they throw these kind of fight contracts at him that they know he can't accept so they can go, ah, you know, he, he turned out a fight, coward. You know, <laughs> I guess that's how the matchmakers talk when we're not around. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's us. Someone, um, someone it's, it's, the, quick, someone in the comments saying Justin Gaethje was the backup. He was the replacement. He didn't weigh in as the backup yeah. and then got elevated the next day. Yeah, so for um, the Tony Ferguson fight. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't really understand Poirier's hate on on um, Michael Chandler. That's kind of that's kind of a weird one to me. But to me, if I'm Dustin Poirier and I'm as long as I'm fighting for the belt, I don't care who's on the other side of the cage, unless you're just talking about you know dollars and cents, you know, selling pay per views. If if that if if that's what matters, then you probably ask for Connor three, you know, for the belt. But no, that would be very disrespectful to the integrity of you know the um, the championship belt. But uh, yeah, I, I still think it's gonna be Poirier Chandler. I still think it's gonna be that. Not not because Chandler has earned it more than Oliveira. It's just that's gonna sell more pay per views. Chandler is Chandler's just better on the mic. Chandler's better at selling fights. And um, yeah, this is probably yeah, fine. He he played it perfectly. You you knock out number four at the time at lightweight. Yeah. Then you get on the mic and you call your shot against Khabib Nurmagomedov, Connor, Dustin in this Ric Flair esque post fight interview. Some people enjoyed it. Some people thought it was cringy. I thought it was perfect. You got to util- utilize your mic time. He did that, and then he continues to do interviews calling out Dustin Poirier and this that and other. So Michael Chandler is probably up there. I have a feeling it'll be Gaethje and Chandler just because Chandler's now talking about Justin Gaethje in the media and Oliveira's turned the fight down because it's, it wasn't for the belt. And I have a thing, I would assume the UFC would take issue with that. So I have a gut feeling it'll be Gaethje versus Chandler. Ooh, I'm fine with that. Do you think? I'm fine with. Do you think that'll be, is that going to be just a three, like a fight night? No, I'm Maybe talking like, for the vacant title. Oh, I'm talking vacant, about the vacant title. title. Yeah. Vacant title. I'm cool. thinking it's Chandler Gaethje, which I'm fine with. World Series of Fighting, Bellator, throw down. It's like, because then, because Chandler gave an interview, I think, with ESPN where he was like, uh, you know, Gaethje and Eddie fought. I beat Eddie. Gaethje, Eddie beat Gaethje. So, like, the, Chandler's planted the seeds. He's already said he's accepted the fight against Oliver. So, he's proven he's the company man. Oliver turned the fight down because he wants to fight for the title. I have a feeling they're going to reward Chandler and then the next man up would be Gaethje and they're already planting the seeds and then Poirier will fight Nate and Charles Oliveira will be left out per usual, unfortunately. That's, that'd be crazy. So two guys from these B-leagues who can't hang in the UFC are going to be fighting for the belt. I love it. Yes. I anyway. Like yeah. Anyway. Hey, rapid fire. How many fights does Conor have to lose before stop buying his pay-per-views? People will buy Conor's pay-per-views forever. He can lose unless yeah, he just gets lose. Unless he goes on a quote James Vic type losing streak, then I would I would imagine if he gets to that point, he's going to stop fighting anyway, because he already makes enough money outside of fighting. Connor's value didn't go. Connor's value didn't go up with the loss. Obviously, did he lose any value getting getting nope. knocked out? Nope. 
Nope, because he has two high-selling trip uh, rubber matches now. That's wild. That is wild. Losing a rubber match, maybe, but like he has options now. It's one-one because mm. he's he KO'd Dustin. He got KO'd by Dustin. That sells it. And then the Nate the Nate rivalry is one of the most like heated and probably mixed martial arts history in terms of both in and out of the octagon. So no, he has stupid money fights still on the table for him. Terrence Leverett last year, everyone was using shoulders between the cage after the Connor win last week on LFA. A few people threw calf kicks. I say this, I say to the, I say this to say what will be the next underutilized trend to take over the MMA world. Well, it's not underutilized because John Jones been using shoulder strikes forever. We've seen the thought. We've seen it before. Like that, he did that to Glover. Uh, we've seen the calf kicks a bunch. Like look at Brett Primus. He did it to Michael Chandler. Uh, it's happened to Sugar Sean too with Cheeto Vera. It's happened a thousand times. Front kicks became a big thing. Remember after Anderson. So, but again, it wasn't the first time that Anderson ever threw a front kick. It was the first time he knocked someone out with it. But Casey, uh, off the top of your head, quickly quote: What's the next trend to take over the MMA world? Uh, that. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Um, what's that thing Habib does where he kind of reaches around and grabs the wrist, your opponent's wrist from underneath? Uh, what is, what, is, what yeah. does DC call it? The uh, Dagestani wrist lock or yeah, something. Yeah, Dagestani like that. wrist lock. That move. Yeah. That it's not. Yeah, it's not as exciting and you know as a well, not calf kicks are exciting, but <laughs> 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 but um, I think it's just and grappling that that move where they they reach under and kind of hold that hand so more ground and pound rather than going for submissions. Um, that's not really a very exciting answer, but I, I love the Dagestani um, handcuffs or whatever you call it. Kristen, what is, what's your answer? I have even a less exciting answer. It's going to be foot stomps. Kamaru Usman is going to start the revolution of foot stomps. He planted the seeds already in the Jorge Masvidal fight. Don't be surprised if he starts using that shit again in, in the Gilbert Burns fight. I love it. I love it. From MMG, 2K20, apologies to Jose Youngs. Apologies about last week, Jose. It seems like my comment question regarding Fight Island last week on the live chat really riled you up. I really do appreciate the content you guys provide, especially during the last year. I am stuck where from. I'll keep up the amazing work. Wasn't riled up at you. I was riled up at thinking about certain incidents on MMA fighting, MMA fighting on Fight Island and certain media members backstage that didn't take their job as seriously as some of us and how seriously they should have. And that bothers me to no end. Not that I was there. It's being somewhere and knowing someone like Kristen, who obviously takes your job very seriously, like Casey, like Alex, like Mike Heck, and like Ant Walker are not able to go to Fight Island, and they would put in not only the legwork, but take their jobs very seriously. And I think certain individuals there did not. But that's just, that is what riled me up, not you. So no need to apologize to me. You didn't do anything. UFC possibly not bring back Edson Barbosa from Tristan Gordet. Concerns that the UFC may not re-sign Edson Barbosa. He's going into his final fight on his deal. Recent interview with Junkie said that UFC still has not contacted him or for either a, for either another fight or a new contract. Barbosa is one of the most exciting fighters on the roster. I would be stunned if the UFC let him walk. I wouldn't be stunned because we've seen Yoel Romero and Rumble Johnson and various other people get released, but Man, if he wants to go to Bellator, woo! Oof. And they want to do a lightweight, and, and he goes up back up to lightweight, and they do a lightweight tournament. Like that'd be fun. Or if you see Barboza in the in their in Bellator stacked forty five division, because a lot because like, most of the guys are out of the tournament now. 
So, uh, you know. I think uh, if I'm Barbosa, I go in at 155 because they just did a 145 pound tournament. And Patricio's the lightweight champ still. So that might be tied up. So the lightweight just might be a faster. He might have to do as much weighting. Yeah, yeah title's fine. Unless his brother vacates the, unless Patricio vacates the belt so his brother can enter the tournament. And then Barbosa, Patricio right out of the gate. But Patricio still has to get through Emmanuel Sanchez and AJ McKee. So that's no guarantee, but man, sign me up for all that. That's all. Those are awesome. Sign me up for Edson Barbosa in a freaking rising ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MA fighting. Why is Frank Edgar such a big underdog? Plus one thirty. I love Corey Sanhagen. Shout out to Colorado. Edgar's last three are last three fights are a win, a loss to Korean Zombie on short notice in Korea, and a loss to the rightful one forty five pound champion Max Holloway. Um. I think Corey Sanhagen's the favorite because he's looked really awesome in recent fights. He just head kicked Marlon Moraes. And I don't have a problem with Frank Edgar being the big underdog right now. Uh, I would actually, the betting-wise, I'd probably favor Corey, but I, in my mind, it's much more 50-50. But, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that like recency bias really does play a role in people's betting favorites i guess and so sanhagen has looked really good since losing to aljamain sterling uh he's definitely rebuilt himself and whereas edgar what was his last fight was it the pedro munoz fight yeah I think it was a split a super exciting good fight. Fight. Good good fight. Fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah very close fight so i think a lot of people are taking that into consideration and just i don't know i guess they're they're kind of leading out frankie edgar as like Let's go to the the barnyard. You know what I mean, old man. Let's do that. And I, I I hope they don't count anybody out like Frankie Edgar. He's still such a talent. So I think that's more about it. Corey Sanhagen just looks really good, and Edgar is one of those like past fighters who's still very good. But I don't know if he has a like another title run in him. I absolutely believe he does. I think this fight is a, a super exciting fight, a pick and fight. It kind of sucks. It. This fight's only three Especially rounds. In three rounds. Yeah. Like I mean. I would love to fight to be if five he rounds. Wins, if he wins, do they give Frankie Edgar a title shot? Or do you think he needs one more? Uh, it depends how he wins. If, if 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 Frankie comes out there and, you know, just destroys Sanhagen, uh, I think it's a different story. But, uh, I mean, but I think, but going back to this question about the line, I think people just forgot how good Pedro Munoz is. That's all. Yeah. People just, just like, oh, it was just some dude. They, they, he just beat some Brazilian guy. No, he beat Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz is a badass. And uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, and Corey Sanhagen, you know, he's had he's had his you no know, he's had his bad losses too, you know. And um, I think people just don't know where Frankie Edgar is in this point of his career because at his age, he is quite the freak athlete to be a top tier bantamweight, a top tier featherweight. At his what? How old is Frankie Edgar now? Frankie Edgar's got to be he's thirty nine. I was talking about I was, I was just talking about Tyron Woodley being old. Freaking Frankie's thirty nine. At a, at a very small, uh, at a very lightweight class, so um, that's just that's just rare. So uh, let's see if Frankie still think, got it. Uh, I think the winner of Frankie and Sanhagen or well, Sanhagen wins. I think he's deserves the next title fight because, like, he, even Corey Sanhagen was saying, because uh, after he had kicked Marlon, they were like, if they give me the title fight, I'm gonna take it, but I'm not gonna. I don't want to skip over Aljo. So I think Corey wins. He gets the next title. He fights the winner of Jan and uh, Sterling. And if Frankie wins, I want Frankie to fight the winner of Casey Kenny and Dominic Cruz. 
I don't know. I just realized if Frankie wins and he wins dominantly or finishes Sanhagen, has anyone fought? Has anyone fought for three belts for three different three different weight classes? Um, I know Vitor. Did he fight for three eighty? Did he fight for the eighty five belt? He's, Oh, yeah, yeah he Anderson, fought Chris Anderson. Wyman at 187. Yeah, I'm not 187, 184. Wait, no, 187, 187. No, he lost, he lost to Anderson Silva. Anderson, he lost to Anderson Silva. Yeah. So, and he lost to Jones, and then he won like one of those early, yeah, like, early, early heavyweight yeah. tournaments. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think in the modern era, Frankie Edgar will be the first guy to fight three three divisions, fight for titles in three divisions. So uh, I do think that that might be a selling point for the UFC. Um so uh, yeah, I do think if Frankie actually, I think Frankie Edgar is in a really good position actually. If he if he wins a dominant decision, the d- dominant victory, yeah. I or, agree from a selling point. Not 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 just saying he he deserves it more than the other uh, other thirty fivers. I'm kinda, I gotta look at the rankings again, but um, I, I I just I love the thirty five division. That's all. I just Man, Pantajudo <laughs> might even come back too. So let's yeah. put a pin on that. The bantamweight conference. Yeah. Hey, Dillashaw's out there too. He's coming back. Oh yeah, oh, keep forgetting boy. about Dillashaw. Oh boy, Dillashaw. 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 Jeez. Kale Sauce on Twitter. Thoughts on Eugene Behrman saying Izzy won't bulk up for his light heavyweight title bout with Jan, relying more on his speed and endurance rather than trying to math- match Jan's strength. So not surprising whatsoever. I think if it was anyone else besides Jan, they might take a different approach. But Jan is not the fastest. He hits like a like a he hits real hard. But it's different when you're fighting like John Jones, who relies so heavily on his brute strength or uh, some of these other crazy massive light heavyweights. But smart, quick, real quickly, smart, not smart, Kristen. It's smart. I have no problem with that. Honestly, I think that that's his bread and butter: the speed, the endurance, the precision. I'm totally fine with not bulking up to like some massive amount. I don't know how much that helped him. Uh, Casey? Adesanya has 100 victories in kickboxing MMA at at his at that weight class. So for the 101 or whatever, let's let's add some more muscle so you're fighting up a body you're unfamiliar with. Of course it's um that'll be a bad idea. But just just like when um when uh what's his name? Uh, John what's his name? John Jones got all super strong to fight OSP and he got super sluggish and it was probably one of his mm. worst performances, um, even a victory. So, uh, no, um, very smart in Eugene Behrman to, uh, keep Izzy basically at the middleweight frame and, um, speed kills, speed kills. So, uh, it's also not going to question Eugene who's been training with Izzy his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do we know? Yeah. No, has someone who's never actually been in the gym with Izzy. Let me tell you how it should be done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do 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 do. Let me look at any last questions on on the uh, on the YouTube comments. Oh, important. Ice King question: What flavor of ice cream, if used to an ice in an ice cream can, would kill the COVID and lead us to the MMA promise <laughs> land? Kristen, I'll use. Have you answered this question with us? I have, and, and I told you my answer. You weren't too fond of my answer, but I don't really care. Would you say mint? Yeah, mint chocolate chip. I like that answer. Food. Thank Stupid. you, Casey. Jose is ridiculous. Wait, yeah. what is your flavor again? I thought it was vanilla. You told me that was Pizzi. What is no, that's what Pizzi said because Pizzi has the taste has the is from Ireland where everything is made of potatoes and cabbage. So he doesn't know what flavor is. For a long time, I said it, the my answer was cookies and cream or Oreo or whatever you want to phrase. But I asked this question to the City Kickboxing Boys when I interviewed them before is their fight at. 
I don't know, 254, whatever that fight card, 253, I don't remember. Uh, and Israel Adesanya said uh, the, what do you, what is it, the Neapolitan, where it's chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, because it's three flavors in one. And I was like, fuck, that's probably the right answer. So I changed my mind. Israel Adesanya changed my mind because uh, he has, he is a much smarter man than me when it comes to ice cream. But mint chocolate chip sucks, and I am correct on that. God, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh man. What if it was anyway? Put me in a bad mood now. Jeez. Yeah, right? Sorry about it. Go have some <laughs> mint chocolate chip and feel sadder. <laughs> um. Oh, is Macy Macy Shazon and Mario Renault off? Have you Apparently, been? that's so. according to our Slack channel. Ah. That was one of the fights I was looking forward to a lot at UFC Vegas 18. I think Macy is such a talent too, and yeah. I thought. This I, was I, a perfect fight for her. I thought it was a good fight for her, too. I, I got uh, apparently, uh, Marion O tested positive for COVID. So they're pushing the fight back. Uh, oh, and Sadiq Youssef is fighting Arnold Allen in April. Uh, oh, that's a good one. That's oh, good. my God. That's a good one. Oh, Marion I think she was an anti I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> Marion Renault was um, – someone posted a video of they had sealed – like they had put tape around like a playground. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't want kids to go to the playground, and some disgruntled mom came and cut all the tape and let and brought her kids to the playground because you can't tell me I can't use a playground. Uh, and Marion Renault tweeted, "I would have done the same thing." And I was like, oh, that's "Oh yeah," I was like, oh. "So I don't know if it was anti-vax or anti-mask or anti-whatever. I think it was much more like you can't stop me from using this playground. <laughs> My taxes paid for that slide." Something like that. Something like that, yeah. That isn't yeah. I don't know, but that was also very early into the pandemic. So I don't know if she's yeah. changed. I don't yeah. I don't want to throw under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, I cannot wait till everyone's vaccinated so I can stop like rolling my eyes at certain fighters for their medical opinions. <laughs> so I can just go, Oh, I like this fighter because the way See, they the fight. The key to that is I just don't look at people who fight fist fight for a living's <laughs> medical opinions yeah, on like, vac- ah, vaccinations yeah. and global pandemics. <laughs> Uh, all right, all right. Okay. Well, we got our ice cream question. I think we're ready to um ready to do or play us out. You playing us out? Yeah, playing us out. We're at um All right. Well, for whatever minutes. reason my speakers just there just got real staticky, so I can't hear almost anything anyone is saying. But this has been Jose Young with MMAfighting.com for another episode of the A Side Live Chat. Thank you so much, Kristen. You know the drill though. Plug, say whatever you want before we sign off this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for inviting me back. I love doing this stuff with you. And to celebrate a successful episode, I'm going to go eat some mint chocolate chip ice cream. Just for you. Ouch. Ouch. You can take your mint chocolate chip ice cream and put it right in the trash can along with pineapples on pizzas and raisins. Because that's where all three of those things need to be all the time. Casey, what do you want to say? Uh, mint chocolate chip rules pineapple on pizza rules raisins do suck by the way I hate raisins yeah raisins are raisins are crap yeah, at least we can all Kristen do you like raisins I do not raisins freak me they, out yeah they're stupid yeah raisins are real dumb raisins yeah. are real real dumb anyway that's another the person in the room is like <laughs> rude and I'm like whatever anyway uh, thank you guys all so much we'll be back next Wednesday um, have a great weekend. Stay tuned for virtual media day tomorrow on the site. Well, obviously, UFC is back in action uh, this weekend with Vol- um, over in Volkov. That fight card rules. Maybe Christian will be on Between the Links again, and she can lose to me. 
Wait, wait, okay. bear not, bear, we already no, down 0-1 with mint chocolate chip. But until next Wednesday, we're out. Knuckle mania. Knuckle mania. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.